0: The code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder. Pirates of the Caribbean films, one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis.
1: And I'm Heather Artis.
0: Thanks for joining us for Minute 33 of The Curse of the Black Pearl. Our listener contest is 4, 3, 2, 1, now underway. We have some great Pirates of the Caribbean prize package items to say thanks, and we'd appreciate it if you'd spread the word. More details to follow at the end of the show, so stick around. The four-pack Blu-ray movie collection that includes The Curse of the Black Pearl... Dead Man's Chest, At World's End, and On Stranger Tides. A not-quite-to-scale replica of the Aztec Medallion, but guaranteed not to send Pentel and Rigetti to your house either, so that's good. A Pirates of the Caribbean Minute t-shirt, and a set of four Pirates of the Caribbean pop vinyls. We'll also have a second-place prize that includes a t-shirt and medallion, and a third-place prize for a Pirates of the Caribbean Minute t-shirt. And that's all ready to go. Well, kind of ready to go. We'll have to get sizes and all that kind of stuff but yeah so we're we're ready to go with the contest and so all the details can be found at blackpearlminute.com and we'll have some of the details here at the end of the show as i said and we'll probably post some of that stuff to facebook as well
1: probably be a good idea
0: i try to get away from that but it just keeps dragging me back in blast that social media let's get going in the previous minute the black pearls pirate crew ascended on port royal yelling screaming pillaging throwing grenades through windows chasing women cannonballs blasting buildings people and fort charles all around mayhem basically norrington ordered governor swan to barricade himself in an office for protection a looky-loo elizabeth swan watches the chaos from her balcony and we see the pirate crazies reach the gates of the swan mansion Minute 33 begins with the pirate rampage breaching the gates of the Swan Mansion, complete with torches in hand. Elizabeth, seeing the impending danger, flees the balcony just in time for the pirates to knock on the door and a little too late for her to warn the butler not to open it. Don't! (sighs) The minute ends with Elizabeth attempting to hit Rigetti with the bed warmer. He catches it before it makes contact and starts taunting her, prompting her to release the trap which dumps the hot coals on him as he yells, No, no.
1: Gibbs, where is Gibbs? I'm totally missing this guy. It's been weeks since we've heard of him.
0: Yeah, so you're still waiting for Gibbs to come I'm back. Still waiting for I think for we him. still have a bit too.
1: Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. It's really kind of sad. I miss him.
0: I know, but speaking of Gibbs, shouldn't you have like a new segment we're doing? I do. So we love our recurring show segments. You know, make sure to tune in for Really Bad Eggs each Friday. It's where we point out our favorite lines from the week. But with our first listener contest, We thought, you know, maybe we could actually do this as a day of first and launch a regular Monday segment for the pirate word or phrase of the week. And then we'll put Heather in charge of that. So enlighten us, Heather. What do you have? Everyone's thinking it. I'm just saying it. It's the pirate word of the week.
1: We're going with me thinks this week. Me (laughs) thinks.
0: I'm sure everybody heard something different on that. Did she say me thinks?
1: Me finks with know. an F.
0: Okay, me finks.
1: Me finks. So instead of saying me, I think it's me finks. So it's
0: really what we thought it was. Exactly. Me finks. <laughs> All right. You guys feel enlightened out there now. <laughs> me finks that that might not be quite the most typical pirate word, I should say. Maybe not. All right. That's what we want to hit. Something that maybe you don't really think about. So now everybody that's mispronouncing that and saying it that way have actually been talking pirate this whole time and they don't even know. (laughs) We start the minute here with breaching the gates. And if only it was the Caribbean, but I think we mentioned before that the Swan Mansion was located in Southern California. So this was actually an early shoot. It was about 4.30 or so in the morning to get the lighting and the fix right. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's
1: kind of early for an actor.
0: Well, actually, it was Kira Knightley who was the one who was saying it. She's like, yeah, they had to get up pretty early to, to start that scene. And, you know, because <laughs> it's, it's really when they're running up to the gates and then inside to have that whole lighting and all that effect correspond to the time or the evening that they're actually showing when the pirates came.
1: Hopefully our hair was done the night before because it takes, what, 12 hours or something for it?
0: I don't remember what they said, but it definitely took a long time to do yeah. all the, the hair and makeup for her. So she was... Probably, that's probably why she was mentioning that it was an early shoot. It wasn't necessarily that, but it was the pre-prep that had to go into all of it to make sure that that happened. They
1: probably just didn't sleep that night. (laughs) No, probably
0: not. (laughs) So, did you have anywhere to begin? Or, I thought I would just throw that in to kind of set the scene, but did you have anywhere you really wanted to begin? I do.
1: The way the pirates were running, it totally reminded me of Phoebe running from Friends.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: when she goes for a jog with Rachel. The cra- and <laughs> The crazy <laughs> <Yeah>. arm movements. <laughs> it just reminded me of that.
0: If you haven't seen it, then you should go to YouTube. And I'm sure there's probably a clip of Phoebe running in the park, yeah. actually. And it's, it, it, it does mimic this. But actually, when I was thinking, when I was seeing the... The pirates going through the gate. The first thing that hit me was, because they had some torches, was kind of an old Frankenstein scene. Mm. When they were grabbing the torches to go storm the castle of Dr. Frankenstein. Frankenstein.
1: So in Frankenstein, they stormed the gates. Did they bust down the door? Or did they knock politely?
0: (laughs) I don't think they knocked politely.
1: (laughs) Well, these pirates knocked politely. (laughs) And the butler... I was
0: only thinking of young Frankenstein. And then when you're saying knockers.
1: <laughs> you're going there again.
0: Uh, that's where we just mentioned young Frankenstein or Frankenstein.
1: Oh, goodness. It's
0: Frankenstein. So then when you said that, I just I just saw them knocking on the door.
1: So, So the butler here... Does the butler just not notice everything that's going on, or what? I mean, there's explosions, there's fire, there's all kinds of stuff going on, and he opens the door. Why would he open the door? Well,
0: I have the exact same thing, And, and actually, yeah, there were some things I wanted to talk about the butler. All hell is breaking loose, and he is still the epitome of high society decorum, walking to the door, perfect posture. He should have been thinking, yeah, what is going on out there? Maybe I shouldn't open the door. Yeah. So my first thought was "Is that, yeah, I guess I'm sorry that I have to go here again, but I think the Swan Butler is perhaps a relative of Norrington, or at least in the Norrington family. Maybe he's a cousin. So observation is, the, is not the <laughs> yeah. Norrington family's strong suit. <laughs> And which is not a good quality for a butler who's trained to attend to the needs of his employers either. Just like Norrington should be observant of things that are going around. So he does have observation power for military stuff, but he doesn't seem to have it when it comes to women. And so the butler seems to be oblivious to everything that's military <laughs> yeah. except his train his training to open the door. Then again, it's like this he has this unflinching dedication to the profession, and he's thinking oh I know there's mayhem in the streets but I just can't help myself I have to open the door when someone comes calling the power of the knock compels me the power of the knock compels me
1: I'm not sure the guy even knew I'm everything trying to see how many co-
0: movie references we can actually get into this episode uh, I don't so know that, that one the exorcist oh the power of Christ compels you oh my oh, god okay. woman thank you See, I, you may be saying woman now the, on the air I
1: needed the arm gesture <laughs> yeah that's
0: So he is really, you know, he's been trained so well, apparently, to just tune everything else out and do this. Open the door. But they should have taken the extra step to actually train him in the event of a pirate attack. Any attack. Lock the door. Hide Elizabeth and the staff or hide. And when safe, get the hell out of the house, through the back door, whatever. But as I said, he knows what's going to happen. But he just can't help himself. He has to open the door. It's that power of the knock. He can't not open it.
1: He'll probably never open a door again.
0: Yeah, this guy would go crazy if somebody doorbelled did. show. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but I find it funny, too, that the pirates, that are, they're like plundering the town. They're breaking windows. Blowing people up. But then it's like, hold on, boys. Wait. This is the governor's mansion. A little decorum, please. Knock, knock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He just knocked and vibrated everything. (laughs) We'll see what happens with that. But yeah, they have to knock on the door. And yeah, it's just pretty crazy that Elizabeth is the only one who's rational to kind of step in and say, you know, don't. And she's too late because this guy is just so trained to do that. That, This poor butler.
1: And obviously there's no protection for Elizabeth here.
0: Yeah, because well, that's because There's Governor Swan dropped the her. ball when he was he was at the fort. He should have been like Norrington dispatched some people to the governor's mansion, right? But he didn't do that.
1: Well, Norrington should have known.
0: Norrington is oblivious to all <laughs> dangers when it comes to Lizzie. Didn't we just go over this?
1: She was attacked by a pirate today.
0: On Norrington's watch. <laughs>
1: yeah, you would think he would have. No, it doesn't
0: work that way. He doesn't learn. Yeah, it just it just goes over his head. He doesn't see it. It's like the butler. How many other times have cannon fire happened on the island and he's just opened the door? This happens yeah. to be the one time that maybe there's an attack in town, but he's not ready for it. Hello!
1: Yeah. Boom! <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, poor guy.
1: And, and Pintel is so polite. Knock, knock. Hello, chump. Boom! Yeah,
0: he is, too. He's coming to the governor's, governor's mansion and calling on the governor's house. You have to, to be polite about that. That's just, <laughs> that's just proper society, especially for the 18th century. Yes. The by-the-book butler is played by Paul Keith, actually. I looked it up. Do you know who he is? No. Yeah, you shouldn't. He has a number of acting credits to his name and some theater, but most of his television and movie roles are similar to what he plays in Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl here. Butler? So no- yeah, well, not butlers, but just kind of these smaller supporting type roles, background type characters yeah. and things. Not necessarily just an extra wandering around, but he does, you know, sometimes have a few lines and things. So nothing much of interest to us here, at least as kind of regards to the pirate theme or something that would be of you know applicable to this show. He was in an episode of the Wonderful Whole World of Disney though, which maybe does have some cross pollination since Disney is somehow affiliated with Pirates of the Caribbean. I don't really remember how, but it is. <laughs> And he was in an episode about Geppetto, but his resume stretches back to kind of these one-off characters on Chips, Facts of Life, to things with more recent like A Soldier on Cougartown.
1: Very interesting.
0: Yeah, so he's actually had a long... History yeah. of going back to the 70s, uh, doing some of these kinds of things. So it's probably just, you know, it's like a hobby, or maybe he does more theater work. I didn't really dive too deep into him since he's kind of an obscure character that probably most of us have that's, never heard of.
1: That's no longer alive.
0: Well, as a butler, he's no longer alive. Well, I mean, <laughs> as a geez. in the
1: movie that we're, in, we're talking or Paul, about, Keith.
0: Paul Keith has already been put in too. the movie. We're talking oh, in about the movie, in so the movie, I'm not okay. killing
1: the guy off.
0: I see. Well, there you go,
1: killing the butler off.
0: You know, I was also. Perusing what I seem to do more than I should now is the Pirates of the Caribbean Wikia. Man, it's like my second home nowadays. And I discovered the butler has actually another identity. So we have another name for the butler that's actually listed there. So he has uh, another name. Do you Can you guess what it is? No. Chum. <laughs> it's actually listed as his official
1: Official name is Chum?
0: Well, his, his, his he's a butler, but his not Lee. His his name is, you know, just has an also known as is uh, Chum. It's definitely made me smile because I thought I was going to uncover like the character's name besides just Butler, but then the AKA are also known as just said Chum. <laughs> so I thought, you know, Poor Butler. Yeah, somebody had a, a good time putting that in. Yeah. Like, oh, he's also known as Chum, <laughs> and, along with 9,000 other people that could be in that movie. So chum, actually, I had to look it up. The tangents go crazy as soon as I get fixed on something. But chum, in reference to a friend or pal, was first used in 1684. And it's thought the origin may be a shortening or alteration from chamber fellow roommate. So kind of your roommate, basically. Your chum.
1: So the butler was Pintel's roommate? <laughs> no, it was his second father's
0: <laughs> brother's sister's cousin's roommate. <laughs> No, but that's all I have on the butler and chum or however you want to call him. But yeah, there you go. A little insight or behind the scenes work on our butler friend and uh, his nickname.
1: Shall we go upstairs to Elizabeth's room?
0: Yeah, we can. We or can did you that. want to
1: go somewhere first?
0: No, let's do that.
1: Okay. So, me finks. <laughs> that Elizabeth... I think
0: everybody's going to be tortured with me finks now. <laughs> probably for the entire week or until we have a new pirate word or phrase of the week. For sure. <laughs> Anyways,
1: so me thinks that Elizabeth really cares about Estrella. She's not just some tossed by. I don't care about you. Yeah. Toss (laughs) by (laughs) toss away friend, you know, or just some. She doesn't really think of her as only a maid type of person. She thinks of her more like a friend. She's worried about her safety in this situation.
0: Well, actually, that's and, and I hadn't thought about that, and so that's actually a really kind of interesting insight into Elizabeth's character. At times, she kind of plays that high society aristocrat role,
1: mm-hmm. somebody
0: with money, and then other times she's really more down to earth, that we have seen, and that makes sense with her, her the way her connection is with Estrella, is that she is concerned for her safety yeah. and not just necessarily running around like "get me out of here." It's You know, you hide, they haven't seen you, and then go to the fort. They've seen me,
1: but they haven't seen you. Yeah, exactly.
0: So I think it plays well with Elizabeth's character. And that's actually something she would probably do just from what we've seen from her. She cares about the little person. Yeah. Or not, you know, she's not just surrounded in her world. She actually expands out in that bubble and cares about other people. Yeah. And since we're talking about Estrella, this is actually really a pivotal piece of the plot of the movie Mm -hmm. is what we're seeing here. Elizabeth is running away from the pirates, as we were just saying. She enters a room, runs into a a freaked out Estrella. Yeah. And she essentially tells Elizabeth that pirates are there for her because she is the governor's daughter. And it's crazy how a small bit of dialogue can really set things in motion, or at least it plants this idea or thought in the audience's mind that really sells an important piece of the story that we see coming up. Now believing that the pirates are indeed here for her only because she is an important official's daughter, Elizabeth is now thinking that she has to hide her identity to avoid being held for ransom or any blackmail or ill will that comes up against her father or simply to prevent them from wanting to keep her at all if she has no perceived value. I have a number of thoughts that play into this that we can address and tackle coming up in the next minutes because we don't want to really get into all the spoilers with that. Uh But... Really, this is that that pivotal point where the audience is given, is is basically told something or sold on this idea, Uh which then allows it to make sense later on. And we'll point that out. But it allows her to say, yeah, this is why she would hide her identity. This is exactly the moment where that becomes real for everybody. We just don't know it yet. When it comes to that point, then it's like, click. That's why she did it. It wasn't... It's just not something that's out of the blue. This is kind of one of those pivotal scenes that then actually carries on through most of the movie. It really is a small piece of dialogue from a maid, Estrella. So at least she has a name and we're not just calling her butler or something like that or maid. Mm-hmm. It really is that one line that sets everything else that at least makes us believe that this is how stuff would progress because of what Elizabeth has done or what she originally believed or intended that right. uh, was actually going to happen.
1: Yeah, she was surprised to hear that the reason they were after her was because she was the governor's daughter. She didn't think that at first, you know. Yeah, She I, just thought they were doing their normal that's pirate I think stuff. Too. I
0: think she was more of the mindset that, yeah, there's pirates running amok in town. yeah, And they're coming here now. They're just raiding all the houses. This is the big one on the hill. And now they're here. But then the maid's like, hey, man. You're you're toast right and she gets that freaked out look like oh my god, that's right I am the governor's daughter They are gonna want to take me and then they can sell me back or they have some leverage or they could get whatever They want from my father because he's gonna do what he needs to do. Yeah Yeah, so it is a pretty interesting so yeah So it really does have that interesting take that spreads through across actually not just the few minutes coming up but really plays a major role in the entire plot of the movie and how things break down right which I'm sure most of you have seen, so you know what we're talking about. But we do like to try and keep that somewhat contained within the minutes,
1: <laughs> just in case. <laughs> yeah.
0: And and this is when we get to Pintel and Rigetti as well. Is really kind of during this whole point. I mean, they they rush in after the butler falls asleep and permanently, <laughs> and then they see her running up the stairs. And so the other pirates are going out throughout the house, and those two are like focused on. Okay, we got to get her.
1: Yeah. It's kind of interesting that they're focused on her. Everybody else is running around Well, we'll find out exactly. Yeah, we
0: find out in the next minute why exactly that is. What, you wanted to say that?
1: No, I wasn't going to splurge on the next minute. I was just going to let it go. Like we didn't even look at the next minute.
0: Oh, I haven't seen the next minute. But don't you hate it then when minutes don't conform to the rules of the show or (laughs) the needs of the show? (laughs) It's like we just want to sit down and say, okay, this is it. We'll make this a (laughs) five-hour show and just talk about the whole thing. (laughs) <laughs> and then that would really defeat the purpose of the minute by minute breakdown so i guess yeah. we'll just have to live with it being irritating uh, <laughs> and go from there but it really is yeah how all of these things have like some crucial parts of the plot that are happening before we can really have the big reveal and so that does make it a little bit difficult when planning these minute by minute episodes And actually we glossed over it when Will Turner acts as the pirate back as well. We have another couple of two, or we have another two instances along this same line where we're talking about Elizabeth and this big reveal or the identity thing. And then Will Turner who threw an axe in this pirate's back. I think we should just make some notes of all of these and discuss (laughs) these in depth when the reveal is officially made. But we've actually kind of glossed over things. And I'm hoping that you guys aren't out there going, well, they just missed over some of the big parts of the plot and stuff like that. Well, we're trying to save those so when they actually do come up yeah. that we can talk about it. And we're not just sitting up here going, boy, look back to minute X and, and check that out. And then we can just sit here in silence yeah. for a few minutes. And It and kind of makes it that. a
1: little difficult, but... <laughs> To actually pass by stuff that you know and then have to come back to it.
0: And on that note, especially when I'm talking about the pirate and the axe in the back, there is actually quite a bit of contention surrounding this whole idea. And a lot of the parts of the plot, or at least what plays into the plot. And that will make an interesting episode for sure as we discuss our thoughts on it, what we've come across, at least on the crazy wild west of the internet. And then if anybody else has any thoughts there, feel free to share those when we start tackling that stuff. Yeah, I'm really talking about some of these big plot reveals that are going to be coming up probably in the next week or so. Yeah. And the two points I'm referring to here, though, is how this whole tangent got started is when Pintel gets smacked in the face with the bed warmer. Ouch. and And Rigetti, thanks for the Foley <laughs> effects again. And Rigetti getting the hot coals dumped on him and he yells, no, no. So I was listening to Kira talk about this particular moment as he yells, no, no. And so we'll talk about all of these different nuances that are happening with this particular scene. Spoilers, feelings and that kind of stuff. And not like inner feelings, but
1: Outer physical
0: feelings. feelings or whatever you would call that. <laughs> sensations. Whatever that goes. God, I've got to remember back to biology. How do we classify that stuff? Anyways. Let's move along and, and forget the spoiler stuff now. But I was listening to Kira Knightley talk about this particular moment. And, and again, I'm talking about the, the bed warmer to the face. And she said the part where Pintel gets hit by the bed warmer that they had to actually have somebody else swing it. She said she was really bad at it.
1: <laughs> oh really? Yeah. She couldn't hit him in the face. I don't or... know. I don't know if she was if
0: couldn't they were you... practicing, but you don't really see her anyways. So no. they probably so maybe she gave it a good try or it was heavier than expected. Yeah. And to be able to swing it without actually smacking Pintel in the face.
1: Uh, yeah, you'd be afraid of that.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, all of a sudden he really is unconscious. <laughs> so that guy. actually wasn't that wasn't planned. He actually got his brain scrambled right there. <laughs> his eyes rolled back and he really got smacked. No. But she said that, yeah, she was really bad at it. So they had to actually have somebody do that for her. Now it's probably huh. somebody who was a stunt person just to make sure that he didn't actually get, you know, whapped in the face. Yeah. Then the part where she and Rigetti are fighting over the bed warmer. And she, she, you know, at this point she gets this look of like, okay, this is kind of a stalemate. He can't get it from me. I'm not letting go. He's not letting go.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And now he's being a real butt by taunting me. Yeah, like, he's like, a, kind whoop, of these, whoop, whoop. Yeah, these <laughs> barks and these things. He really is. It's like, okay. <laughs> He's really into this as a game here. She's fighting for her life. And she's like, you know what, buddy? You think that's cool? Now now I'm going to do this. And then she releases the, the handle. or the, She pulls the trigger and it releases the trap or the the cover for this and drops all the coals on it. Well, actually, there was nothing in it. So that all those sparks oh. and those coals were all CGI effects. Wow. Yeah, it holds up pretty well, actually. I yeah. was looking at it and... They did a really a fairly good job. Sometimes with movies that are, you know, 10, 15 years old, some of the special effects don't hold up. But this actually does with the CGI. I, I would yeah. have never guessed that that was not something that was in there. Just made it look sp- like coals. Yeah, exactly. That wasn't exactly. gonna hurt him.
1: But huh, that's interesting.
0: So yeah, so pretty I thought that was pretty cool.
1: Now after she dumps the coals on him, she kind of stands there a minute. Instead of running away right away, it just kind of watches the incident going on, you know? You'd think you would dump the coals and then run because you're trying to save your own life here.
0: It's like the cartoon, you know, or something where somebody would grab the chair and then pull it up and sit down and watch the show before taking off. I could see, like, the Roadrunner or something <laughs> doing that. I don't want to say Bugs Bunny again because that definitely comes up again here. So I'm trying to avoid <laughs> that. But Bugs Bunny, like, I'll just go ahead and say it. <laughs> Speaking of kind of these cartoon characters or these comedy moments, you know, here's where we actually see these two, these two pirates, Pentel and Rigetti, mm-hmm. actually as our Laurel and Hardy figures, or the anti Mulroy and Murtaugh that we've talked about before. In the previous minute in the introduction, we saw them, and they were really kind of coming ashore. I know the guy was playing with his eye and smoothing it out, removing the splinter, but we didn't really see too much of that comedy yet right. that was happening. This is where we actually get it with both of them. Really interesting is that usually a movie will only add say one comedy duo. Yeah. You know, it's like like they don't it's like hey, we don't want to overdo it. We don't right. want to have that fear of things will go overboard and then not and it ends up not playing well for the audience. But for some reason, here it just works. And I think maybe it's like they're dividing up the workload between the two and it provides the opportunity for them to carry out some of the comedic elements across the movie when it wouldn't otherwise make sense.
1: That's what I was going to say because you have the, the first two in the beginning, and now you have these two with the majority of the rest of the movie.
0: Yeah. You know, that's I mean, right. you
1: see the other two at some point in time. Okay, there's no room for the other two in the rest of the movie. And so the military ones in the rest of the movie. So you have the pirate ones. Yeah,
0: that's right. Because you can't have Mulroy and Murtog all of a sudden sailing with the pirates just to have no, some of yeah, that comedy. No. It's like, where'd you guys come yeah. from? Yeah. Oh, no, we were down below deck, you know? So you can't have that. And you yeah. can't have Pentel and Rigetti all of a sudden standing watch on the dock, you know? Yeah. So you can't have that, you know, this kind of vice versa thing going on. So to have that comedy or that comedy interplay you really have to have kind of the two sets so it does work you really don't see it a lot in, in movies where you have two competing comedy duos that actually work well together
1: it's almost like you transition from the military ones to the pirate ones you know it's like all one transition that's right. not two different groups it's like they're it's just a transition from one to another they're just taking another form and that's right of a thought. yeah
0: and i hate to go here because we've already started to put in a bunch of references here to other movies and TV shows but yes I have another television reference here so while I was thinking about these two these like two opposing duos here and as I was trying to describe them as like anti one another I call it you know Pentel and Rigetti the anti Molroy mm-hmm. and Murtaugh. I was really wondering if I should call them like the bizarro Mulroy and Murtaugh. You know, what would happen if they came together like in Seinfeld? Would would worlds collide like George Costanza says? Or, you know, would you just see these two groups kind of come together and really look at each other and and like, Oh my God, they kind of looked like us, but they're the pirate version. And yeah, so it's, it's interesting.
1: Um, Pantel and Rigotti, I really like these two. They kind of remind me of the robbers on Home Alone.
0: (laughs) They do, actually. Yeah. yeah they got that so.
1: same, you know, type Even of... Even body type. Uh-huh. That's exactly.
0: right. Yeah, Yeah, very, so they remind me of
1: the Home Alone guys.
0: So how many more references yeah. do you go to have to hit 20?
1: <laughs> I figured I had to throw that in.
0: <laughs> and then I have some, actually, some cool backstory. And I know we were light on talking about them. Or we did actually talk about Pentel and Rigetti before. Mm-hmm. And there was actually some things that we were were talking about, or maybe had some questions on. I think maybe it was we were specifically we talking about. I wonder how he lost his eye and stuff. Oh well, yeah, I got all the information. Now. Oh really? Yeah, I did my homework. It's a it's a shocker, but yeah, I did. I Actually you did a lot didn't of homework. Do it last week? No, there was yeah, there were some things that were coming up that were making it difficult. But this week, I actually actually sat down and said, you know what, I'm going to do some research. Good job. So, like anybody who's doing good research, I open not a book. I just went to the. I went to the internet and Google. I did other things. Yeah, exactly. But both Crook, who plays Rigetti, and Ehrenberg, who plays Pentel, maintain that Pentel and Rigetti are related as part of the backstory. They worked out with each other as actors. Uh huh. Their characters' full names are Terry Rigetti and Abner Pentel. And that Rigetti was the son of Pintel's sister, and they shared half a brain. <laughs> that, that's how they. That's their backstory for the character.
1: That's awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, so they didn't share a whole brain. They shared just half a brain.
1: I kind of think Pintel got the better half. <laughs> he,
0: yeah, it seems that... But that actually plays in, because he is kind of the older, older, wiser one, supposedly. And Ehrenberg also claims that Rigetti is the son of a prostitute. However, as... None of it was revealed in any of the Pirates media. It's unknown if this information is really kind of canon, at least as far as uh, Pirates of the Caribbean universe or not. But I thought it was pretty cool.
1: Isn't that something actors do is kind of create? They have their character, but they kind of create more to it so they they can feel it better or I've heard
0: that, and we've seen it in shows and movies that are about kind of actors. huh. And, you know, I never really knew if that was something that they really did. Until then I started reading this and I thought, man, that, that really does play well, into what sense. they do. It does, yeah.
1: It helps you get into a character, I would assume. Not I'm not an you, actor myself. Well, but As
0: a professional like <laughs> A-lister myself, I don't need that kind of training or the backstory because I can just really feel and portray it right away. But some people I know, uh, my other colleagues out there go, they really have to channel a backstory. But I, I'm professional enough not to have to do yeah. that.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what, that's what have, have you, you been, been in? <laughs> a
0: Burrowing Owl documentary?
1: <laughs> okay, but you were playing yourself.
0: That was. I was playing myself. So but I knew the part very
1: character. well. <laughs> I, that's why I didn't have a backstory.
0: I was like, I don't need to create a backstory for myself. I just jumped right uh, in. See? That's true. That's right. There you that's go. very true. And then also... Both were press ganged into service, and we talked about being press ganged before. Yeah, press ganged. In case you're a new listener, is when you're kind of just, if you will, drafted. If you want to say it, it's a more harsh form of being drafted today, if you will. They're kind of confiscated and put into the to the navy, not necessarily on their accord. They so take both, you
1: from your parents, kicking and screaming.
0: We say that they're doing that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: they
0: we're taking children to fight the wars. Thirteen the years here. old, and yeah. you're gone. <laughs> But both were press ganged into service by the British Royal Navy. You know, they did not take well to this life, as you can imagine.
1: Yeah.
0: So after a year of beatings, bad food, and boredom, sign up for the British military, (laughs) (laughs) y'all. Both jumped ship and set themselves up as Pirates of the Caribbean. It's a good deal. Not of the Caribbean, in the Caribbean. Good job. Exactly. When we were first introduced to this duo, I actually dropped the ball. And like I said, I was a little underprepared. But since then I really have done my homework and so I think since we're really talking about his wooden eye, and as I mentioned, we were last time wondering how he lost it, and I said I assume that it was in battle. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, that's true. It's amazing that a pirate would lose an eye in battle. It's not like they're fighting or anything. Was like it that. a
1: pirate battle or was it when he was in the navy?
0: No, uh, I think they actually oh. I think it was a pirate when it was it a was. pirate battle. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because if you just wait for it, I could get to that point. <laughs> in my story you know we got to leave some room for the drama here you know oh. channeling channeling my inner pirate but he doesn't have a backstory though both Rigetti and Pintel joined the pirate crew of the Cobra which was a small schooner that was captained by Hector Barbosa I wonder if that name will come up again anyways they served under Barbosa faithfully participating in many pirate raids and battles at sea and all this kind of jazz huh. and at some point in his early pirate career. Rigetti lost his right eye in battle, and he covered his empty eye socket with an eye patch. And then as compensation for his lost eye, Rigetti received 300 pieces of eight.
1: 300 pieces of eight.
0: Yeah, and he eventually upgraded to the splintered wooden eye we see now.
1: He must have bought his splintered wooden eye with that 300 pieces of eight.
0: Man, that thing is like a (laughs) fraction of a piece of eight. It's like an eighth of an eight. Yes. Anyways, pieces of eight. So
1: maybe that's why... Oh, never mind. I was going to do a spoiler and then I decided. I was going to say maybe that's why they were sent to get Elizabeth. These two were actually sent to go get her. Why Why are they special? But we don't don't know know the captain yet.
0: Yeah. And I think that they're just the ones that are out there and maybe happen to find it. I don't know, maybe they're looking for some nice favor from the captain. You know, as two goofballs that we can see, you definitely sometimes <laughs> need to show that you're worthy of being on the pirate crew. Yes. And we talked about pieces of eight just now and then in previous episodes. And I was curious, do you actually know what pieces of eight are or is or are? are, are, they, the, are we, they,
1: aren't they are they coins or something like besides that? Besides
0: money or coins.
1: Oh, besides? Just uh, special trinkets?
0: No, no, like what? Oh, oh. So you don't know. No, You just think, no, you just saying coins. So pieces eight were actually the world's first global currency. As the coins of Spain, they were used across the vast Spanish empire, stretching from South America to the Philippines, but were also used outside the empire as well. In 1600, one coin would have been worth the equivalent of a modern 50-pound note. And the front of the coin is decorated with the coat of arms of the Habsburg, the rulers of Spain and the most powerful family in Europe at the time. And then according to the BBC, pieces of eight were legal tender in the United States until 1857. Really? So I could just see that's probably why we have so many pirates that are wandering around is that they were just coming here to spend their pieces of eight.
1: Now, are pieces of eight still out there somewhere?
0: I think you can still buy them. Yeah, I think as I was reading that they could fetch like a thousand dollars a coin now. Oh, really? Yeah, so the legendary pirate coins known as pieces of eight were actually silver dollars that were made by Native American craftsmen in Mexico, Peru, Colombia, and other countries in Central and South America who had actually been enslaved by the Spaniards. Huh. And the coins were produced for approximately three hundred years. Wow! The eight actually refers to the denomination in reals, and it's the lar- And the eight is actually the largest of the silver coins that weighed approximately one ounce. And a single piece of eight was considered acceptable pay for two weeks' labor in the seventeenth century. Oh, really? Yeah. So three hundred pieces of eight was definitely a a pretty you know substantial payment, at least at the time to to lose an eye.
1: Well, if you're saying fifty bucks for two weeks of work,
0: yeah. So so, basically? Yeah. So he, you know, I mean, at least for, I mean, there's nothing that's really compared to losing an eye. But especially back then when you didn't have regulations and workman's comp and stuff like that. So He could have not done anything for him. And I was reading it, which is pretty interesting. At one point, just one piece of eight on an American ship was considered sufficient proof by the Spaniards that the Americans were pirates or smugglers. And the Spanish Guard Acosta, which is like the Coast Guard, would confiscate the whole ship. Wow. Yeah, (laughs) that's pretty crazy. And then sometimes single galleons carried as many as 2 million individual coins with a total weight of over 60 tons. Even though Spanish galleons were typically well-armed, when they were heavily laden with gold and silver, they were a tempting target, obviously, for pirates and privateers. And then you also had gold coins that were similar to pieces of eight, but they not silver, but they were gold, and those were called escudos. And the Spanish eight escudo was also known as the doubloon. Huh. So you mentioned doubloons. the blooms. blooms. Yeah,
1: I thought the blooms was just.
0: You thought it was any, like any your kind bloomers.
1: of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was more of any kind of riches, basically.
0: No, so that actually corresponded with the gold. It was a natural coin. The gold part, uh, like like the gold was the gold kind of one of the pieces of eight. So huh. there's a silver and a gold one, and pieces pieces of eight were silver escudos or the blooms. Were gold and doubloons hmm that's all i got pieces of eight pintel and righetti elizabeth swan all of butler that butler dying yeah that's all butler i got Butler opening
1: a door during a war
0: well that's what you do
1: yeah i guess don't open Is the door yeah
0: don't open the door <laughs> Do you have anything else? That's
1: it for me today.
0: All right, we'll be back tomorrow with minute thirty-four, the curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Caribbean minute. Wander on over to our Facebook page, and heck, while you're at it, give us a like or blackprominute.com for additional details on our contest. Remember, it's really simple to enter. Just leave us a review on iTunes. Nothing fancy. Hopefully, a five star if you like the show. Just short and sweet. You know, just a quick, you know, say hey, Pirates of the Caribbean, we love it. And shoot us an email right after you do so or right after you leave the review with your username so we can actually have a heads up and have a contact email associated with the username in case you win. Me so. thanks
1: you better enter our contest.
0: Nice. Wow. There you go. Now it's really playing in. <laughs> so, yeah. And then we'll we'll have this contest run probably until I think I'll have to look at the actual dates. I probably should have had that right here. But I think it's uh, Sunday. So, we'll have it go for two weeks. So, it'll end on a Sunday. And then we'll make the announcement of the winner's during midweek and i'll have more details online with that itunes does a a moderation process where they moderate the reviews before posting it so they don't post right away so even though you submit it it has gone to itunes they'll look at it just to make sure there's no malicious content or anything like that in there then it gets approved and then we'll be able to see it and then what we'll do is we'll take all those reviews and those names and we're even going to include those people who have already given reviews at this time as part of our listener appreciation and we'll do a random drawing for our first, second, and third. We'll shoot you an email and then uh, we'll get you your your prizes.
1: Very cool. I'm so excited, that's it. actually.
0: Yeah, it should be fun. And hopefully everybody plays along because we, you know, the reviews really help us, actually. Just more people learn about the show, more people hear it. And so it, it really just helps broaden the audience. And then that way we can continue to do this fun stuff for everybody out there.
1: Yeah. And the prizes are awesome.
0: That they are, yeah.
1: Yeah, very cool. It's not
0: bad. So, I guess where I left off is, until then, let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. Yo, yo, a life Thanks for joining us on Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. If you like the show, then leave us a review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it, matey. You can contact us at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. We just might feature your questions and comments on future episodes. Visit us online at blackpearlminute.com. You can also find us on facebook.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, twitter.com slash Men, and on soundcloud.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean, where we post additional content, have episode discussions, and share our favorite show clips. Now see you next time, scallywags.